Hi, welcome. This is a, a leadership collaboration series uh, with my uh, colleague uh, Nancy Halpern all the way in New York. Uh, we call it Leadership Lessons uh, from Across the Pond. And uh, Nancy and I tackle uh, key leadership challenges on a weekly basis uh, via LinkedIn Live. Uh, these could be sort of current to the context we're in and some will be sort of evergreen challenges. And we wanted to share our two very different perspectives on solving these leadership challenges. Do enjoy. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Good day. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good. Uh, we're here for the second in a series of leadership lessons from across the pond with me, Nancy Halpern, and my co-host, Julian Roberts. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that just got a lot of press on LinkedIn, actually, which is the topic of burnout. There's typical burnout, and I think there's lockdown COVID burnout. So, Julian, I wanted to ask you, have you ever had an episode of burnout? How have you ever dealt with it? I, I suppose I've been fortunate. I don't think I have had burnouts as what, as what I would understand it to be. Um, and I think it's, I've had stress, and, and certainly in the last 12 months, there's been moments of stress. But I think it's important to distinguish between stress and burnout because they're sort of very different stress is more about that sort of felt sense of pressure demand but you can still sort of keep going and I think that chronic stress then rolls into sort of burnout where you and I'm not experienced this where you feel empty and exhausted and I think it's important to, to know that and recognize it um because there is a difference um and I and I think just just coming into that and and as we talk about burnout and I think it's, it's an it's an important topic right now as as leaders and it, it it sort of plays into the sort of sort of empathetic sort of human centric side of leadership hmm. and as we should be and and I think we need to recognize not only the signs in ourselves which obviously sometimes we often miss but also recognize it within our teams and I, I've just been sort of dwelling on this over the last week or so as well and just thinking how would I recognize it and I guess it's it's when you see either yourself or your team members where they're acting a little bit not so typical they're a little bit slightly a bit old possibly not not themselves and and in some ways that possibly I don't know might be slightly higher sensitivity it might be highly irritable um they might be even just sort of the reduced performance they might be in a high performer suddenly they're not high performer and these are sort of things that start to question what's happening here what's going on here and um when you interact with them you know they may have troubles with decision making they may say to you i'm, I'm struggling to eat all those things and they're telltale signs that somebody is either burnt out or in the certainly in the process and, I, and again, what, what are your thoughts and, and have you had been burnt out so in the last 12 months or so? Well, two things to add to that list of uh, visible symptoms. One is, I think, a delayed response where if somebody is typically pretty much on top of it, all of a sudden they just seem to be not. And yes. the other is, which you can really sense even on the video camera, less animation, a kind of flatness. Um, yeah. But in terms of my personal experience, I had never been burnt out until the very end of 2020. And for me, it was just that I don't want to. I just don't want to. And you could fill in the blank of that sentence. I don't <laughs> want to blank. It didn't matter. Really? And yeah, and it was 
very unusual for me because I love the churn and mixed upness of life and mm. find that very invigorating. And I did develop some strategies, um, which I'd like to share if that's oh, okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The first is the sort of preventative burnout strategy, right? Because stress- This is before, before you get there. Correct. Well, this is what I realized afterwards. Like after you do something, you realize, oh, if only I had known. So I, I think it's generous to share if only I had known. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you. Um, so the first is stress can be a precursor to burnout. But when you begin to feel your either, I think, uh, two things. One is something somatic, meaning in the body. You know, is that kind of stress in the back of your neck or that uh, knot in your throat or your, is it not going away? Mm. Does it seem to be carrying with you? I actually wrote about this, about deflated balloon syndrome is what I called it. D, do you have a case of DBS? Do you actually feel that just continuing over time? Okay. I think an, another trigger is, of course, the behavioral trigger. Do you find yourself in all that clenching and constriction in your body? Are you also getting a little snappier, a mm. little more impatient, a little uh, irritable? And unlike stress, which can just trigger a kind of bark, right? This is kind of a little lower level and a little more consistent. Mm. So you find that you're just thinner. Do you see those kind of things in your work when you have worked with people who have burnout, especially right now? Yeah, I think it's it's I suppose it's that it's not so much the barking. You say I think stress causes that sense of reactivity, doesn't it? And you can see that people getting stressed and the tearing their hair out. Not that I've got any hair to tear out right now. Well, but, you um, must have gone through periods of enormous <laughs> stress. Yes. Well, having four daughters is probably possibly that. Um, yeah, yeah, well. So I've developed yeah. strategies over time slowly as as they've been born. So um there <laughs> we go. <laughs> but I think it's 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 that almost, as you said, that, that flatness, that deflatedness, that almost sense of people giving up. And I've noticed where the, the, there's almost a, a real shrugness, there's almost like an emptiness, and I, and you can see it in somebody. And I think that's when somebody is absolutely burnt out. And I, and I guess it's it's as, as leaders, we've got to observe our people. And as you say, being observant of the somaticness, the physiology, what's going on in somebody, not just about what you're hearing, what you're seeing in terms of their performance, but... How are they talking? Are they on Zoom calls now? Are they excitable? Are they engaging and, and trying to feel a bit more the whole person mm. here? Are they not volunteering things? I think the thing is if you know your people well enough to know what their norm is, and then you give them a little bit of a COVID discount, right? <laughs> then you can compare the current state to all of that. So if you had someone who was always an idea generator and now they're kind of like, you know, looking to the side, head down a little bit. And that mm. happens more than once. But mm. I realized, Julian, I cheated you because I didn't tell you how I got out of it. I was just about to ask you that, yes. Well, a lot of carbs, I'll say that. But other than that, I think I would recommend for people, at least this is what worked for me, you have to have a judgment-free zone about what's going to nourish you. Because okay. there's there's a rest that isn't about being sleepy. And so for me, frankly, I really unwind by playing this stupid game on my iPad. It is just a sort of a breath when I don't have to do anything. 
I found that was that, the, was that almost yes. like is that almost like mindfulness in some ways where you're becoming a bit more? I, I know it's a game, but it's getting present, isn't it? It's getting in the now a little bit. Is that was that well, more I, that? Or? I hate to say this, and I'm not being flippant about it because I asked a meditation teacher about this. Actually, it's almost mindlessness. So I think <laughs> I, I I think that it's okay to balance short periods of yeah. mindlessness with mindfulness. And so you end up having a different notion of nourishment. So maybe it's not the driven for accomplishment that you don't have the energy for, you know, maybe it's actually doing something enormously small or saying, you know, something, if I'm going to lay on the couch today all day and read a book, I'm not going to judge myself about that. So giving you permission to do those sort of things, isn't it? And that's that's a really helpful thing to almost that like self-care, isn't it? I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch Netflix, and that's it. That's okay. Yeah. You know, I think the trick with self-permission is a uh, big, fat pause on the judgment button. Yeah. Right? Because often I see my clients, you know, they'll say, well, I'm very self-aware, but that's really just the beginning of it. So giving yourself permission to nourish yourself also means don't judge yourself if now, you know, your sourdough starter died or if something else you started during COVID now just you don't want to do it anymore. To know that it's a fallow mm. period and also to know that it won't last. So but mine lasted quite a long time. I would say it wasn't until uh, early January, frankly, I'd say it was a good six weeks. Oh, really? Okay. So what, so what else did you do besides the playing your game that was a bit mindlessness? Yes. <laughs> and I can't uh, imagine you doing that, Nancy. I really can't, but it's well, great. Shh, to share. Don't, shh, don't share it with a thousand people who will now see this posting, but yes. Um, oh, I can tell you something else I did, actually. I realized that one of the contributing factors to my burnout was that I didn't have the intellectual stimulation that I used to have from see, going to see people in different places. Okay, yeah. And so I think the monotony of the same place had contributed to a burnt out of all my senses. So I tried to leverage other things. For example, sense of smell, which is not something I really use that much. I bought mm. eight different perfume samples. So I could just have like different scents in my life. Maybe. I know. I did. I mean, it's a small thing, but yeah. it woke up a different yeah. part of my day. Uh, something else I did was I signed up for very, very short bursts of lectures, 90-minute lectures on things that I was just interested in, but I would normally have dipped into. So I think that when you're in burnout, you have to first rest. There are stages, right? I think you seriously have to rest. Mm. And then I think once you're a little more rested, you can go towards nurturing and then stimulation. Mm. And so I think it's a stage process. I haven't seen a lot written about it that way but you know you're so right and wise to say as a leader you do have a responsibility for yourself mm. but you also don't want to be an unrealistic model if you're the leader who's always like you know raw and you have people who are really kind of burning out that's not they're not going to respond well to that i don't think no not at all and i guess it's it's then is how do we almost try and prevent it I and mean, obviously the key thing is prevention obviously is better than cure as we know in any con context we're currently in right now as well yeah um and I, and I think what are your thoughts on that how do we as leaders as organizations prevent people getting to that place where they go from stress burnout and then kaput 
Well, I think it's the human connection you mentioned earlier. You have to be a really good observer of your people. And this whole evolving model of human leadership versus just metric-driven leadership, I think having, you know, spend some time on every group team meeting to say, I just want to talk about how everybody's doing, what's going on. And I think Mm -hmm. also if you do see that kind of stress pattern, have a one-on-one with your team member that goes along the same lines. Tell me how you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, do you need a half day to just yeah. chill out or veg? You know, what what else do you need? I think you have to be a really sharp observer of your people. Do you have any yeah. do you have any no, other and suggestions, Julian? No, and I agree. And I, and I think the question I've always asked my team, which instead of just saying to you, and I know we jumped on this call before and just said, how are you, Nancy? And we, and we all glibly answer, I'm okay, yeah, yeah. But I often say to people, how are you today? Mm. And it just it just puts a stake into, into the ground today and it makes people stop because it's a slightly different, same question, but for, it's rephrased. So I often use, I'll say, how are you today? And, and it makes people think and they go, well, actually, I'm not great. And then you start the conversation. And I think that's really important to start that conversation. Um, weirdly, and then this sounds really, it's not, it's not flipping the thought, it's getting people back to their, their, their purpose of who they're about. Because often burnout is because they're trying to please people, do loads of things. And often mm. those things are not really part of who they are. So therefore, they don't have the energy, they have no inclination. So they're piling stuff in again. And so getting people back to what are they here for, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve. And making sure everything you do is alignment to that. And because that's what you've got energy for. You've got energy, whether it's a company as a vision or a mission or your own right. personal pur- purpose, that's what you're going to get of energy. And that will drive you. But it also keeps you in a place of setting boundaries. It helps, keeps those things yeah. you say no to that, no to that. It doesn't align to this. I don't think we're going to do that. We have this vision to do this. So why are we doing that? Um, and then also making sure that we balance the resource and time and been really upfront with people and said look love to do it it does align what we're trying to do but at this moment we just have the resources or the um or the time to do it let's just put it on a back burner and come back to it and it's having those sort of upfront conversations with whether well, mm. senior leaders in the real it's not saying no to everything it's just being realistic and trying to make sure we're managing our people first in how we go forward but you know i also want to give a shout out to all those people working remotely who have children and spouses Mm. and partners and have to cook and have to walk the dog and have to you know that all that you're burnt out on multiple fronts so for all of you if you don't know what your purpose is or you are so burdened by multiple tasks on multiple fronts if you don't know what your purpose is you probably know some of what you love And it is really essential, even if it's 15 minutes in the morning, you know, to use your the time you used to use for commute, take that time back for yourself if you can. Do something you love without guilt that you should be doing something you should be doing instead. Absolutely. Because I think that recharging. Any Mm. any final comments, Julian, before we have to end? You said recharging, you know, find a place that uh, a thing that you do that does recharge. And you know, you know, for me is going running on a trail run. Others, it's watching Netflix. Whatever it is, find somewhere. Whatever it is. Whatever it is, you recharge. You're sometimes on your own, and you just get yourself back to whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. And if all else fails, do what I do. Kiss the dog. (laughs) 
because that <laughs> always helps. And on that note, thank you all. And uh, Julian, we'll see each other next week, same place, same time. Absolutely. Looking forward to it already. Thank Me you. Me too. Thank you.